God is with us. Let's, let's look to the God who is with us. O oh, gracious, wise, and eternal Father, we thank you that you are with us, that you hear us, that you care for us, that you provide for us, and that you love us. Only to honor and praise you. We ask that you would be with your people today. Not only you're with us, but you're holy. You're righteous. You're a just God who loves us. So, Father God, manifest yourself today to your people. Let them know that you reign above whatever circumstances they might feel. Whatever hardship, whatever pain they're going through, you reign. And you have the last say. So let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, my Lord and my Redeemer. Amen. I wish I could sing. I would continue to sing that song, but I will spare you from that. Amen? My sister-in-law says, amen. My step, yeah, yeah. She's in from Florida, Antoinette. Uh, glad to have her. series we were in, the eight essentials of the Gospels are the eight essential Bible doctrines. Um, and actually, you're going to continue to hear those eight essentials. Amen? Truth of the matter, any sermon you listen to, you should hear at least one or two of those essentials in that message. Because, because they are essential. Amen. Amen. So we, we're going to hear some of that eight essentials today. And we, we learned that it was God that created all things and that he created man. And man had a problem with that which was sin. And because of sin, death passed upon all men. So sin always leads to death. But God had a remedy. And sends his son, Jesus Christ. All right? And, and, and Jesus Christ, through the atoning death of the cross, pays your sin debt and my sin debt. Amen? And that if we would put our faith in him, we would have eternal life. Not only eternal life, but abundant life. Amen? Here in the right now. I'm not talking about abundant life where you have more money and more material things. I'm talking about abundant life where you have peace in the midst of all chaos. So I enjoy that theory. But we must read So now we're going to a new series. 
And but you would still hear those eighty centers. And today we and from this month and next month we're gonna be in the Psalter, the book of Psalms. Okay. And we're going to talk about elements of prayer in the book of Psalms. Amen? But stay with me and keep your ear attentive listening for those 80 centuries. Because every Bible doctrine is all through the Bible. Or is not a Bible doctrine. Amen? I learned it this way in Bible Institute. Every Bible doctrine has a seed planted in Genesis. It is expounded on and expounded upon in the prophets and the Old Testament. It is consummated in the Gospels with Jesus Christ. It is applied in the book of Acts. It, it, it is explained in the epistles. And it is consummated, <laughs> not consummated, consummated. <laughs> <laughs> revelations, amen? Amen. So, so if, if you have your Bible with you or your electronic device, turn to the Psalm, to the book of Psalms. Is thy name in all who has set thy glory above the out of the mouth of Baal and such hast thou ordained strength because of thy enemies that thou mayest still the avenger. When I consider the heavens. The work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest? But thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made him to have dominion of all the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his foot, all sheep and oxen, all beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, fish of the sea, whatsoever scattered through. O Lord, 
Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital E. The Hebrew word is Yahweh or, or Jehovah. This is the one when, when, when Moses encountered the burning bush. And God said, go tell my Pharaoh to let my people go. And he said, who should tell him to let him go? He said, tell him that I am that I am. That Yahweh, the self-existing one, the one who stood out on nothing and called everything into existence. Oh, Lord. It talks about his person. Oh, Lord. Our Lord. Lord. Capital L. Lowercase O-R-D. Ananias, which talks about his position. He is master. For, for, for all those who are born again, for all those who accepted the atoning death of Jesus Christ, for all those who have been in, regenerated by the Holy Spirit, he, he's our Lord. He's our master. He's our ruler. He reigns over our life. You just sung it. He reigns over my life. Oh, Lord. Our Lord. It also talks about he's a relationship. Amen? Our, our Lord. He, he's my Lord. Amen? That's your shout. Oh, oh, Lord. Our Lord. How excellent is thy name in, in all the earth. In all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens. He's not only reign and glory on earth but above the heavens. Now, we see the atmosphere of the first heaven, the galaxies and all that, the second heaven, and then God's abode is the third heaven. You remember Paul said, I was caught up to the third heaven. But he sets his glory above the heavens, all of them. 
because he's the self-existing one. Hmm. That's, that's worth chatting about. Because he created all things, he's above all things. Even above our enemies. Just, just turn back to Psalms chapter 7. And look at verses 1 and 2. O Yahweh, O self-existing one, my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me, lest he tears my soul like a lion and render it in pieces while there is none to deliver Keep praying to Yahweh, the self-existing one, the one who reigns, to, to, to deliver him. And, and when you look at the recipe at the top of Psalms, it says it's from, he, he's, he's writing about Cush the Benjaminite. We don't know exactly who Cush is, but we know he's a Benjaminite, so he comes from the same tribe as Saul. So some commentary says that, you know, he was one of Saul's descendants and, and was upset with David, and he's making the accusation against him. So David is crying out for deliverance. And, and we, we pray for deliverance when people come against us. It's not people. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and rulers of darkness and heavenly places. Amen? So, in actuality, it's really Satan and his, his demons just getting into you and bothering me. <laughs> Amen? So, but we know God has power over all that because he's the self-existing one. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end and everything in between. So we pray to him because he can do something about it. But even though I put my trust in him, I trust him because I know he judges righteously. I know his judges is not with partiality. See, I come to you, John, and, and you might be a little partial. All right? You're on the same wavelength sometimes. But I, I go to Marquise, he's a little partial today. So. <laughs> so that's how we do. But God judges rightly. And, and look what he says in verses 3 to 5. He says, listen, this is what he says in the nutshell. He says, look, God, if there's something about me that you need to check me, then check me. Okay? Because my Bible says, whom the, the Lord loves, he chases. 
and scourges every son. So if there's something that's wrong with me, put me in check. Look what he says. He says, oh, Yahweh, my gosh, if I have done this, what Cush is accusing me of, if there be iniquity in my hand, if, if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, yeah, I have delivered him that without cause is my enemy. Let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Yeah, let him tear down my life upon the earth and lay my honor in the dust. Selah. What do you think about that? That word Selah means think about that. He said, listen, if it's something about me, if I'm going through this because of something I did, then put me in check so I can get right with you. Because God judges righteously. know he judges the wicked and the just. Look, look, look at verse 11. God judges the righteous and the wicked and God is angry with the wicked every day. He, he's angry with them every day. He, he judges the righteous. He chastens the righteous. He, he corrects the righteous. He, he guides the righteous. He spanked that just the way he did. When, when Israel got besides themselves, he sent the Babylonians to them in captivity until they would cry out to him. It was chastisement. But when he was ready to deal with Babylon, he got rid of them completely. Praise him because he's righteous. And it ends in verse 17. I will praise Yahweh according to his righteousness and will sing praises to the name of Yahweh the Most High. Amen? I'm going to praise him. Because at the end of the day, whatever is going is not my will but his will. Jesus prayed it. He said, Father, if, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I hope I got some nevertheless Christians out here. That, that in your prayer, you're saying, God, but if there's something wrong with me, not my will, but your will. When, 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 when the money's too short at the end of the month, bless me, Lord, but not my will, your will. Then we come back to our text. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. Oh, Lord, our Lord. Excellent is thy name in all the earth. He has placed his glory above the heavens. 
and it's placed with glory as well. And God reverts to God is unique like no other. He's unique like no other. God is good for taking the weak thing of the world to confound the wise. Oh, he told Israel, I, I didn't choose you because you were the strongest. I struggled with you because you were the weakest. Just the way he operates. One of the theologians I like to listen to, Robert Smith Jr., he's a professor at Decent College, and he teaches preaching, uh, expository preaching. Older black gentleman is just amazing. And he says that God did not render us strong that he might show his strength. But God rendered us weak that we might depend on him for our God did not render us strong to show his strength, but rendered us weak that we might depend on him to show his strength. That's the way God operates. That's the way God operates. It's a paradox. It's a contradiction that you get strength from weakness. It's, it's, they shouldn't go together. A paradox is two opposing contradictory points meeting at the point to illustrate a truth. You're not getting it. Jesus says, Jesus was always paradoxical. He says, if you want to keep your life, you lose it. Amen? He says, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you must serve. He's paradoxical. That's just the way he operates. Look at verse 2. He says, out of the mouth of babes and suckling, nursing infants, has thou ordained strength because of thy enemies. Thou has made that thou mayest kill the enemy and be avenged. What's more vulnerable than a baby and a nursing infant. But he says, out of the mouth of babes, he brings forth strength. Amen? He adorns strength out of the mouth of babes. That's the way he operates. Look at how Jesus quotes this in Matthew uh, 21, verses 15 to 16. And, and, and this, this is after the triumphant 
entry into Jerusalem, and they're all crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David. And then he goes into the temple and cleans the temple. Right? And, 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 and look at verse 15. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, the children crying in the temple, saying, Hosanna, son of David. They were so displeased. They, they, they were beside themselves. What, what, what is he doing having these people cry out to him like that? They beside themselves. They're displeased. And Jesus, and he says unto them, Hear thou what they say. Listen to what they say to him, to Jesus. Hear thou what they say. Do you hear this? And Jesus says to them, I just like his sarcasm. He says, Have you never read? Listen to who he's talking to. He's talking to the chief priests and the scribes. They, they were supposed to be the ones who knew their Bible. They, 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 they didn't have a Bible like we had. They had the Tanakh, which is the Old Testament. If they didn't have the Tanakh, they had at least the Torah. Amen? So, so the Torah was the first five books. Tanakh was the newbie, which was the Psalms and, and the Prophets. And all that was the Old Testament. So he had that. So Jesus says to them, "Don't you know your Bible? You, you the chief priest. Don't you know your Bible? Have you never read that out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfect praise? Have you never read?" When Jesus instructs his disciples, the great, how to be the great in Matthew 18, right? Remember, remember Matthew 18, verses 2 and 3, or 3 and 4, sorry. But verse 1, the disciples asked him the question, who, who is the greatest? And Jesus answers and says, verily I say unto you, except you be converted. And become like as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore humbles himself as, the, as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom. Amen? It's the way God operates. His ways are not like our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. Look, look how Paul illustrates this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 31. For, for, you, for ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound that which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised 
hath God chosen, yea, all things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who through God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glory, let him glory. And Adam. Amen? This is a, a, a perfect quote from Jeremiah 9 26. Jeremiah 9 26. The weeping prophet. Thus saith the Lord, thus saith Jehovah, thus saith Yahweh, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glory, glory in this, that he understands and knoweth me, that I am, I am. What he says in verse 3. When, when, when I consider, when, when, when I consider the heaven, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, when I consider, when I think of all of creation, the moon. Our fingers. That's that. That's anthropomorphic. God doesn't have a finger, but they put it in there so we can understand. God spoke it into existence. And if the moon or if the sun was one inch closer, we would burn to death. And if it was one inch farther, we would freeze to death. But it keeps it in orbit, orbiting around the sun. And David is laying on his back in the middle of the desert, looking at the stars and the galaxies, and says, when I consider the work of thy finger, that, 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 that God placed that up there. It was like a little kid drawing with paint with his fingers. And it's perfect. And we can't even see all the stuff that's out there. Even with a telescope, you can't see it all. The vastness and the awesomeness of God. How excellent 
is his name. And all the earth. All you got to do is look outside and see how excellent he is. Romans 1 says the nature declares the glory of God. When I consider all that thy finger has made, and then he comes to the question. To, before we get there, most people today want to know how great they can become. Amen? Well, look what he says in verse 4. When, when, when we put God in his proper place, when we put him as the creator of all things, the, the awesome, the excellent one, the, the one who reigns and rules everything, then we can't ask but ask but question. What is man? What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? When, when I see God in his proper perspective, when I see him in his elevated state, then and only then can I see me. Amen? So, so in my prayer, I almost always, I always have to place him and reverence him for who he is. When his disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. He said, okay. He gave them the model prayer. He said, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, how be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Kind of sounds like the same. Oh, God, oh, God, how excellent is thy name. When I, so we must, in our prayer, always place him in his proper place. And align up under that. Amen? What is man that thou art mine? It's a direct quote. It, it, it sounds like, listen to how Isaiah says in Isaiah 6, 1 and 5. That was it, Mark. In, in the year King Uzziah died, I also, I saw also the Lord sitting upon his throne, high and lifted up. And its train filled the temple. Above it stood seraphims, each one of them having six wings. With twine, he covered his face. And with twine, he covered his feet. And with twine, he did fly. And one cried unto another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is. What is it? What's the word? What's the Hebrew word? Yahweh. Yahweh of hosts. The whole earth is filled in his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then I, you see, 
whoa, it's me. It's me. I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst the people with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, Yahweh. We need to put him in his proper place. Amen? And when we put him in his proper place, we'll see ourselves for who we are. And then Psalm, verses 5 to 8 shows us what position God has placed on us. Let's look at it. Um, For for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. Thou thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands and has put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, the beast of the field, and the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes upon the sea. What is man that thou art mindful? But in Christ, I'm everything. He, because he made me in his image. I'm an image bearer of Yahweh. In all of creation, it was man that he breathed the breath of life in. Everything else he just spoke into existence. But man, he took time to, to form him and to fashion him and then breathed into him the breath of life. Look what he says in Genesis 1, 26. For God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Okay? We're image bearers of God. That's who we are. That's who we are. That also shows us something. That he's always been a relational God. It wasn't just with man. It's another quote from uh, Dr. Robert Smith. That God has, the Godhead has always been a society of sorts. So there's, there's relationship within the Godhead. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, that they too might have fellowship with us. What do we fellowship And then not only do we see that we are image bearers of this creative God, but we have delegated authority. We have delegated authority. 
and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over all the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And verse 28 says the same thing. Turn there, Mark, since we you have it. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. We have delegated authority. In, in creation, Adam and Eve had full authority. But they lost that. We, 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 we still have some authority. We, we, we're still able to tame wild animals and stuff to some degree. But we don't have complete authority until he comes back again. When there's a new heaven and a new earth, then we will rule and reign and have complete authority. Amen? So he gives us, he gives man delegated authority over all creation. So we're image bearers of God and we have delegated authority. But, but the best point is this. What is man? That thou visited him. That, that, that he visited us. Amen? Because of sin. Right? We were alienated and, and separated from God. But God visited us. He, he came down 40 and two generations just to see about me. Amen? That's that shout. That's how? Praise the Lord. He came down 40 and two generations to see about me. He visited us. That's why we sung Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, what a good God we serve. He, he visited us. Visited us. So, 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 so I don't know what you might be going through. I don't know what your prayer is. But at the due time, in due season, God will come and visit you if you have a relationship with him. Amen? If you're in covenant relationship with him, he's going to visit that situation. And even if it doesn't get no better, he's going to give you peace in the midst of it. Y'all got me happy up here. <laughs> look, look, look at the New Testament example in Hebrews chapter 2. So the book of Hebrews always, Pastor Dave tells you guys this all the time, but I don't know if you're listening, so I'm going to say it again. <laughs> The Hebrews is, is to point out that Jesus Christ is better than anything. Okay? He, he, he was better than the angels here. He, he was better than the sacrificial system in, in, in verses chapter 9 through 11 or 12. 
Jesus Christ is better. They were all a shadow of things to come. Okay? Pastor Dave would tell you like this. Maybe it'll come to your mind. I'm going to tell you what he used to say. He says, why would I show you a picture of calm when calm is right here? Now y'all remember, right? He listened some days, Pastor. <laughs> but look at what he said. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or art the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Thou hast crowned him with glory and honor, and didst set him over all the works of thy hand. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see who was made a little lower than the angels and suffer and suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Oh, what a good God we serve. He, he visited us and he tastes death for us because if we got what we deserved, we would die. The first lie you told, you would have dropped dead. Look at verse, look at Philippians 2. Verses 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Okay? The, the God who spoke things into existence took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being formed and fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him and has given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Ananias, is master, is ruler. He reigns to the glory of God the Father. We serve a good God, and he came to visit you. And he came to die for your sins and for my sins. And the psalmist in. The same way he started. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. We serve a good God. 
He's worthy to be praised. He is worthy of your adoration. He is worthy for you to give your life for. For those who want to save their life must first lose it. He's worthy. Come honor the king. Amen. Thank you.